Jackie. Well, 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 folks. Welcome back to Talk Commerce, the podcast where we dissect the fascinating world of business and commerce. I'm your host, Jackie, and today we have a special guest joining us. But before we get into that, let's address the elephant in the room, or should I say the absentee in the room. You see, our beloved host, Brent Peterson, couldn't make it to today's episode because he's off gallivanting at the Creator Expo in Cleveland, Ohio. I mean, who needs to host a show when you can geek out with the latest gadgets and fancy gizmos, right? Classic Brent. But fear not, my friends. We have an incredible guest who's going to make this episode shine brighter than Brent's collection of rare, limited-edition USB cables. Please welcome Yulia Blinova, an international business pro with more experience than a 90s Nokia cell phone. Yulia is the embodiment of the jet-setting business professional, with over 18 years of globe-trotting, market-conquering, and probably more passport stamps than Brent's got followers on his tech blog. She's been everywhere from China to Singapore, Germany to Russia, and of course, the good old Americas. Today, Yulia is going to share her wisdom on product sourcing, supply chain management, strategic partner channel management, and all things B2B and B2C. Seriously, this woman could probably teach Elon Musk a thing or two about logistics. But wait, there's more. Yulia's cross-cultural awareness gives her a superpower in understanding and navigating diverse markets. Trust me, she's got more cultural sensitivity than Brent has bad jokes. And that's saying something. We're talking trends, challenges, e-commerce, import, exports, transportation, and even IoT. That's right, buckle up, folks, because this episode is going to be more electrifying than a Tesla road trip through a lightning storm. So, if you're a business looking to expand internationally, or just someone who loves to hear about how the world spins on the axis of commerce, this is the episode for you. Yulia's got the insights, the experience, and the passport stamps to prove it. Don't miss out, my friends. Get ready for a wild ride through the world of global business development with Yulia Blinova. Stay tuned, and let's talk commerce. Great news for the Magenta community. Hufa is now fully supported by Amnesty, the number one Magento extension provider. With a catalog of over 250 Magento products and solutions and a full range of custom development services, Amnesty actively invests in providing compatibility with the Hufa theme. 33 solution compatibilities have already been released and are available as part of the regular product subscription with no extra charge. And many more new compatibilities are coming. In partnership with Hufa, Amnesty is focused on providing its clients with high quality extensions, great performance, and a high level of service. Visit amnesty.com for more details. That's A-M-A-S-T-Y.com. And remember to tell them Talk Commerce sent you. Have you heard of the Hufa theme for Magento? It is a powerful yet intuitive theme that has been designed to help Magento store owners create the perfect online store. With the Hufa theme, you can create a store that is unique and engaging while taking advantage of the latest technology that will make your site blazing fast. The theme is built with a modern, responsive design that is optimized for maximum performance and usability. You can easily achieve Google Lighthouse scores of 10. It is also fully customizable, allowing you to adjust its look and feel to fit your brand. Overall, the Hufa theme is the best choice for any Magento site. It is easy to set up and customize, 
and it provides powerful features to help you create a successful online store. Plus, it is designed to work seamlessly with your existing Magento store so you can take advantage of its powerful features and tools. With the Hoofa theme, you can create a beautiful, engaging, and successful Magento site. Go to hyva.io to learn more. That's hyva.io, and tell them that Talk Commerce sent you. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Yulia Blinova. Yulia, 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 sorry. Go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us your day-to-day role and maybe one of your passions in life. Hi, yes, Yulia Blinova or Yulia Pancake, that's what my last name actually means. Uh, uh, to be your guest. Okay, what do I do? I do product sourcing. So I help different e-commerce companies across the globe businesses to find manufacturers for their products whether you're selling whether you have your own shopify or woocommerce store or you sell on amazon we help you find and manufacture products partially this is my passion as well even though when i started doing this about 18 years ago i was like Ugh, how can i get out of this as soon as possible i was living in china and all of the russian people back then they were doing this you had no other jobs back then in china for the foreigners except this or teaching english yeah Passions in life. I'm a motorcycle chick, so I love riding motorcycles and experiencing a little bit out of the ordinary things. So I think that kind of comes hand in hand with developing your own business and trying to keep the bar, raising it higher and higher. Yeah. So. Awesome. So I'm assuming, is it a Harley Davidson that you're riding across Germany? or? It's a boring bike. Sorry for all of the Harley Davidson users, but this is not the type of motorcycle that I use. No, uh, Germany, especially Munich, BMW F650GS. It's a it's adventure bike. And we did a motorcycle trip from Singapore to Germany in like about six months on one motorcycle, me and my husband. So, yeah. More on wow. that side. Yeah, off-road. <laughs> Yeah, Ewan McGregor has a couple of series where he does the wrong way around and the, yeah, yeah anyway. We stopped in the hotel where he was in Mongolia, in, the, no, not, that's Greece, in one of the hotels in, like, uh, in the middle of Mongolia, and the owner is a Canadian guy living in the middle of Mongolia, and he had the picture with Evan McGregor. This was the inspiration years ago for us, yeah, but now our <laughs> adventures are better, especially okay. considering they did the last one on the electric bikes, Woo. Yeah, exactly, with their uh, diesel chargers. Anyways, we're not here to talk about motorcycles. Before we get into the content, I did warn you, or I asked you if you'd participate in the free joke project, and you did. So what I'm going to do is just tell you a joke, and all you have to do is say, should this joke be free, or should somebody at some point charge for it? So here we go. Which celebrity is always ready for cereal? Reese, with her spoon. I like that one because I like Reese Witherspoon in general. I think she's a nice and she's doing so nice, so many things for women. I think if someone can charge for something and they know how to sell it, I don't see a problem with actually doing that. Uh, but because it's a charity, it's a season to be jolly. Maybe it should be a charity thing and it should be for free. <laughs> Excellent, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so let's 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 get into our contents. Let's talk a little bit about sourcing. Tell us a little bit about what brought you to China, 
and and what that looked like 20 years ago and what does it look like today? I initially came to China in 2005. I went there to study, as funny as it sounds, in a British university in China. Yeah, and I stayed there and I started working and I started working in sourcing. Back in the day, you didn't have any sourcing agencies. You had companies actually and larger companies. Right? Let's take something like H&M or Zara. And if they were to exist back in those days, they would have set up their own office in China and do the sourcing. Now we have so many different e-commerce businesses where it is one or two man show. I know a guy, to me, like he's a kid of 23 years old, and he already sold his first Amazon business for five million dollars. Oh, sorry, for five million euros. Though the exchange rate is quite so, the opportunities are very different in today's day and age with the technology that we have and with the people who are providing different types of work and can work remotely. So you have so much ways of actually making money, and I think selling your products, selling something that you think will improve the life of yourself and the others, is something actually really great. I give you an example. In addition to being the founder of Zingify Global Product Sourcing, we also have two brands. When we used to live in China, my husband was working for a very large company called ABB. And because he's German, he did a lot of overtime, and he had six weeks of vacation based on his overtime. He was at home. He was annoying me all the time when I was home. So I needed to find something to do for him, and I found Amazon FBA selling over Amazon. And this was 2000, 2013 or 2014. We started thinking what would be the best products to sell. Our first product, which we didn't go with, was this ridiculous turtle that made a sound and put stars on the ceiling. And oh my God, it sounded horrific. Any child would just run away from that. And later on, we started developing with this and seeing different things. So actually, we have two brands that we're selling. One is fully made in China, but the other one is fully made in Germany. And this is what I think people should be looking towards. I'm not saying specifically produce your products in Germany. But look at something that is more sustainable, that is more expensive, for which people want to pay more. Because we have seen the market shifting, and our customers for whom we're doing sourcing, they're shifting from crappy, cheap products that are just 50 cents margin, the dollar margin, or something like this, towards the product where you have clean 20, 30, 40 dollars margin, sometimes even more. And this is quite a development that you can see in recent years. This is one of the things that I learned from living in China and seeing the society on its own, how you have the people who are not so well off, how you have people who are absolutely well off and they go to Louis Vuitton every day and you pass by and think, holy crap. But yeah, China gave a very good kickstart to, to the whole industry and now I'm so jealous of all of the young people in their early 20s and my mid-30s, how much, how many opportunities they have. And they should definitely use them. Did I actually answer your question? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I can remember 20 years ago, I had an opportunity to work with a German manufacturer and they were sourcing all their products out of China. And that the idea was that some of the work would be done in Germany and some of the work would be done in China. Is that still a common theme for, and I would like, I'd always categorize Germany as having very high quality products and people would look at Germany as, and they would also pay that, like you said, that extra margin. Um, 
Is that a way to capitalize on some of your resources and sourcing if you did pre-manufacturing in China and then post-manufacturing in a Western country? Of course, a lot of companies are still doing that. So, for example, you can use parts of your products in China or maybe in some Asian, other Asian country and then take it to Germany, do the final assembly there and do a couple of tweaks and all of those things and then you can stamp it with Made in Germany. A lot of our customers do this for U.S. as well, or for Canada. So the opportunities are endless. There is a difference, though, between sourcing in trying to get your products manufactured in China and what we call ROW, the rest of the world. Um, China, for the last 20, 30 years, has been specifically built and supported by the government to become this manufacturing machine where everything is interconnected, where the roads are built so the trucks can move faster from one factory to another to the port, that the factories communicate. Give you a perfect example. We have a customer, she's actually Swiss, but she lives in Singapore, and we were looking, and she has family in Germany. She was trying to produce a lamp for, for children's look, so a, a lamp for children. It is wood, and it is an LED strip. She found in China like this, no problem. Everything, we got the sample, all great. Then she says, I say, it will be more value and you will probably be at a similar price if you produce this in Germany directly. Plus, you don't need to pay the import tax. You don't need to pay the shipping costs and you don't need to spend so much time. Shipping plus manufacturing from China when you can do it in Europe and 30 days later, you have all the products with you. Her family was actually working in that particular area, producing wooden products and lamps and stuff like this. They said they can't do it because they don't know how to work with LED strip and wood together. They only know the screw in bulk. So this is the level of development of the manufacturing facilities in a lot of developed countries. If we take Germany, Italy, France, US, Canada, they went through the industrial revolution. They came out on top. And then what happened? Booms. The development has stopped. And now they're trying to catch up with countries like China and India who have a lot of modern machinery and they know a lot of more modern methods of how to produce their products. I'm not saying do not produce your products, let's say, in U.S. or Germany or Mexico. You can produce there. That's not a problem. But you need to know what you're getting into before you get, get into this. For example, working with Mexico is a lot of fun. And I'm being extremely sarcastic here. Because those guys are constantly on siesta. There's constantly, it's insane how the system is not built up. Americans, they respond fast if you send a message in, the, in those uh, forms that you fill in on the website. If you call, they don't answer. But if you fill in the form, they answer within minutes. So you need to know the intricacies of those countries. What the countries are best at producing and knowing the cultures is also extremely important. If you're a Chinese manufacturer calls you dear or calls you fat or saying, oh, you look old, it doesn't mean that they are rude or disrespectful. It's just in their culture. I had back in the day, we came, our friends in China, they had the baby and we were the godparents and, oh, Yulia, you got fat. I'm like, okay, thank you very much. I love your baby very much. So you need to know the cultures. So to answer your question, there are tons of opportunities to make different products across the globe. But yes, you're absolutely right. When it comes to German quality, 
people here in Germany are like, ooh, quality. And to be open and honest, yes, you still see that because they have a lot of certifications in place that the Chinese do not necessarily have or require, and we will need to get that additionally. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the alternatives to to getting your sourcing. You mentioned Mexico, you mentioned China. How important is it now to make sure that you have alternative paths for sourcing your product in different parts of the world? Hopefully your listeners haven't been living under the rock for the last, what, three, three something years, right? First we had Corona, so China, for example, was hit tremendously. And this is when our business took off. A lot of my old clients, they started coming to me and saying, Yulia, our factories in China have closed down. Help, what do we do? And this is when we started really pushing the sourcing in other countries. First things first, if you're purchasing a product from a manufacturer, it doesn't matter where in the world, make sure you have a backup. Don't find the backup after you face the problem with the original manufacturer. Find the backup directly. Invest a little bit more money. Get the samples directly so everything is perfect. The best reason for using the backup, and trust me, I've seen this happen, I do see this happen all the time, is when our customers are selling like crazy and the first factory cannot handle the capacity and they need to start using the second one as well. So always have a backup. doesn't matter where you produce. So that's the first thing. Further, if manufacturing presents difficulties, right? So China, Corona hit, factories closed down. Now the factories are going to close down again. Why? Because the Chinese, they have canceled all of the COVID restrictions because there were protests on the streets. Now everyone is sick. Like all of our ladies in China, we have, uh, because our whole team, they're ladies. We have about almost 50 ladies. The only guy in the company is actually my husband. So he's very lucky. I think. So all of our ladies are sitting under quarantine right now because they're afraid of getting sick. But at some point, everyone will. Plus, we have Chinese New Year coming up. So it is extremely important not only to have a backup, but it's extremely important to have a backup, preferably in a different state or in a different country. There are so many opportunities right now. For example, if you work in cosmetics or in supplements or in those powders for those who build muscle and all of those things, you can produce this in U.S. You can private label this in U.S. You can do in Vietnam. You can do in Germany, Austria, Lithuania. So many opportunities. Wooden products, Mexico. Metal products, Mexico. Glass products, Mexico. Textiles. And I'm just giving you a small portion of what is possible. So yes, my suggestion to anyone and everyone, always have a backup and directly from the beginning. Because at some point, this might really save your sales and save your company in general. Because no one wants to sit there without any stock and having no revenue coming in. So that's just not smart. Yeah, it's interesting. I like what you said, too, about having some knowledge of the culture. We've opened up a company in Mexico, a service business in Mexico, and I understand the culture is completely different because we also opened up in a Bolivia which you can ask later, but don't. I wouldn't recommend opening a business in Bolivia. Anyways, the culture in Bolivia and Mexico are completely different. You talked about going on siesta. Like Mexicans typically work very hard when they're during the day, and they work seven to seven. So some, if you're sending people to work there, that culture can be overwhelming for some people. 
And I can also understand if you're just dealing with somebody on, online or you're just talk, talking to them on the phone, that can also be different. T- talk a little bit about how you can better assimilate into those cultures and maybe some some things that people could do when sourcing in those different cultures to figure out how do I make this all work if I'm looking at India or Mexico or Vietnam? Yeah. My suggestion is become local as much as possible. So from our side, we actually hire people who come from those countries and can speak the local languages. Because on a lot of occasions, as much as we see this thing that everyone in the world speaks English, this is far from being true. If you go to certain, okay, in India, fine, they will speak English, that's not a problem, but with their accent, for some people, it will be hard to understand even that. It's like talking to an Irish or to a Scottish person. In Mexico, for example, a lot of people who own those factories, the smaller ones, because to the bigger ones, honestly, unless you have orders like Walmart, it will be very hard for you to get to them. So the smaller factories, they don't speak too much English, so you will need to learn Spanish or have a translator on your hands. Everything humanely possible on the traditions, days off, national holidays, maybe some food, etc., etc. So again, from our side, we try to learn as much as possible about the culture. We usually prefer going to that country if we haven't been there before to see how people communicate. And it is extremely important when you're talking to one particular factory or to one particular person, this later on will come in handy for you at the stage of negotiations. Try to research the person with whom you're communicating as much as possible. Don't stalk this person, but try to research them on LinkedIn, maybe on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever social media there is present. The reason for this is we as humans... We are programmed to have better communication and to provide better things for those who we have, with whom we have something on a personal level. So if a random person comes to me on the street and says, give me a dollar, I am less likely to give it to him or to her than to a person that I know at least a little bit, right? Because we start feeling some maybe like they're acquaintances. So we always make sure that we know the people who we're talking to because this can be used for your advantage. One of the other things, extremely important, and this is a trick that works very well for us when it comes to negotiations later on at the later stage, is never introduce yourself in the beginning as the boss of the company. The reason for this is very simple. The other person with whom you're talking to on the other side is most likely an employee of the company. Maybe it's a salesperson, some project manager. That means this person has a boss, someone above him or her. And what we usually do is when we're trying to get the pricing that we require and just to push the squeeze them a little bit more to get where we require, we say, my boss is really angry that I cannot get this price. Can you please, please help me? I'm afraid I'm going to get fired. Please help me. It's not really lying. It's twisting the truth a little bit and stuff like this. And it helps on a lot of occasions. Um, factories use their own tactics and practices to keep the prices higher. And we, from our side, people who purchase those products, we also need to make sure that we have our practices and, ta- and tactics in place in terms of negotiations. At the end of the day, this is business. But I think one of the most important thing, and this is regardless of the culture, and this is regardless of where you're doing the product sourcing, is 
you need to show what the manufacturer is getting out of this. So yes, you're placing the order and paying them money. Oh, that's awesome. But what's next? You know, when people buy products on Amazon, right? Or even on e like through an e-commerce site and stuff like this, they receive a product in today's day and age. Comes in, it must come in the most beautiful packaging. You must have free stuff in there and some papers and coupons and discount codes and all of this. We're expecting this. Because this is, right, because this is the competition and where we're led to, actually. The factories, think of factories as those consumers, that they're expecting the same things. What are they going to get out of it? You need to lay out a cooperation plan. Like, I'm not saying write a business plan or anything like this, but tell them, hey, guys, we're looking to produce this many products, develop this line, etc., etc. Even Even if it's just in the air for now, it's just in your plans but it's important for them to know that they can develop with you together for many years. And if you grow, they will grow because they're more likely to take your orders and give you better deals. So I think those are the major things that I would focus upon. Talk a little bit about, you mentioned FBA a couple times, and I think the trend is becoming that a lot of people think or know or have done and have gotten into just doing Fulfilled by Amazon and not even, maybe they look for a product, they source a product, and they get the product into Amazon, and that's their business. They may even do it part-time. What type of what type of trends do you see happening in terms of full-time sourcing, part-time sourcing, the person sitting in their pajamas at home just as a side gig? How does that look for you going into next year? To be open and honest, there are more, and even though the recession is not knocking on the door, the recession is here all, all across the globe, but more and more people are getting into Amazon FBA. You can just see the data of how many new sellers are joining in. Most of the people, of course, they want to have this as a full gig. It might be a full but side business that they're making crap load of money. We work with different types of people, so we see this all over the place. We have our biggest Amazon customer makes $200 million in revenue. Or at least this is what they had last year. I think this year they will have more. We have nurses who work in the hospitals in the U.S., and they want to start a side gig, and they come to us, and we help them out. because Not because they want to quit nursing. No, they just want to have an additional income, and they want to also personally develop. So it's not always about money. It's also about learning a little bit more about the world and getting out of your comfort zone. Will the trend stay, sustain, and grow? Yes. But I think the type of products that people are getting in will change. I think it will be more expensive things. I'm not saying you won't find the crappy $1 products and stuff like this on Amazon. You still will. But a lot of people are trying to create brands right now something that is more homey, more eco-friendly, and responds to people on a more personal level. We are, I think a lot of us, we're so tired of simply consuming, oh, shoes, $10, t-shirts, $2 in Primark here in Germany. I'm like, oh my God, those people are making, they're selling t-shirts for $2. You know how much the factories are making? Zero. The factories are making zero because you need to produce, you need to ship, you need to this and that. And I feel sad, right? I know what is the kitchen, right? What is behind all of this? So personally, I'm hoping for a trend of a little bit more expensive products, but where people will take care more of those products rather than 
oh, this is crap, you know, this materialism and then overconsumption, especially in today's day and age, right? We can't afford this anymore. So, yeah. And in general, from our customers, we see this is the trend for something more sustainable. So a lot of sustainable products are coming in. Other categories that would be interesting are related to pets, pets, babies, weddings, especially babies after Corona, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If people want to get into an Amazon game or an e-commerce game in general, I would say there's still plenty of chances for doing that. Are there any big competitors out there to Amazon right now that you see coming that would would merit somebody looking for? You talked about sourcing, but the, at some point you have to have channels to sell on. Are there alternatives to Amazon for selling? There are a few different platforms across the globe, and some are local. So, for example, in Netherlands, they have their own local platform where Americans will not go because everything's in a local language and stuff like this. But in general, there is no such... People sell on eBay as well. But as simple as that, if you want to buy something in certain countries, you go where? On Amazon, right? In some countries, it's less developed. In India, India has its own platforms. But if we're talking global, and that will allow you to sell globally, the only competitor is yourself. Is if you start selling through your own website. And that's Amazon has a bit more traffic, but everything comes at the cost, right? You got to pay the advertising costs and all of those things. What, if somebody wants to get started, what's the best way to, to contact you and get rolling on sourcing a product? What are the steps that you recommend people doing? First step I recommend is do not contact us, but take a minute and meditate on your decision and think about the product. A lot of people, they come to us and they have this drawing on a piece of paper. Can you do this? I'm like, we probably can, but we will need to enhance this a little bit. A lot of people, they come with 100 ideas. We can help clear those out as well. So try to be as detailed as possible with what you want. And I know for us humans, it's very hard to sometimes understand what do we want, right? From life and from our product. I would suggest focusing, a lot of people focus on what is improving their lives. For example, you have a product at home, like you have a cup and there's something constantly wrong with this cup that you hate. Then change this, right? Make a new product that will enhance the experience of drinking your tea or your coffee. Just a simple example. So try to get as many details as possible and try to understand if you have any particular marketing USPs, right? Because we usually ask our potential customers, what is your product? Do you have marketing USPs? For example, I want my products to be made in Germany or made in USA or something like this because I want to use this in my marketing. And we're going to tell you, is this possible or not? So all of those things are, they're required. Some of the customers, they don't have it and we help them figure this out. But the more details you have, the less travels you will have later on. Yeah, for us, it's very easy. If someone wants to get in touch with us, they can go on our website, which is zignify.net, or, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Or find me on LinkedIn, Yulia Blinova, not Pancake. And I'm always available there. Yeah, and we got plenty of YouTube videos, and we participate in tons of events. The next event, we will be, we will be in Mexico, actually, in February, at one, it's called Evil Attempt. So it's a very big event, and there will be tons of Mexican manufacturers in there. So, yeah. Ah, 
we can be found in many different places. <laughs> That's awesome. As as we close out, I give the guests an opportunity to do a shameless plug about anything you'd like. What would you like to plug today? Again, I don't want to say anything about our business. Um, I think we work in sourcing. We help you find products, manufacturers, blah, blah. I think because it's the holiday season, the up-and-coming holiday season, I encourage those people to help those around them who are less fortunate. Maybe donate something to charity. It can be five bucks, ten bucks, or something like this. Some countries it's very cold outside. We have wars happening. So I teach you to be more nicer to your neighbor, give a smile, stay positive. Positivity attracts positivity, and yeah, share it with other people. I think that would be my pitch. Yulia Blinova, thank you so much for being here. It's been a very enjoyable conversation, and I will put all your contact details in the show notes. Thank you very much. Pleasure was all mine, and Merry Christmas in four days. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thank you. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce. Please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts. We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the free joke project. If you are a business, I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's talk-commerce.com.